Welcome to Power and Praises Deliverance Ministries podcast. We hope today's message inspires you and encourages you to dig deeper into God's word. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Zechariah chapter 4, 1 through 9. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is awakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seekest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick, all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lambs thereon and seven pipes on the seven lambs, which are upon the top thereof and the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake, spoke unto the angel and talked with him saying, what are these, my Lord? Verse five, then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, knowest thou not what these be? And I said, no, my Lord. Verse six, and he said, he answered and spake unto me, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. Verse seven, it says, who are thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, that thou shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. Hallelujah. Verse eight, it says, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of the house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shall know that the Lord of hosts had sent me unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The topic of my sermon today would be called grace, grace. Hallelujah. Somebody just open your mouth and say grace, grace. grace. Grace, grace, hallelujah, God's grace. I don't know how many of you know that song. I grew up in the old school Baptist song of church. And when I came in, I heard some old songs that I remembered. But as I was washing my dishes and in my house today, this was last week doing some chores, I just began to hear a song that was downloaded in my spirit. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sins. I don't know if you know that song, but it's such a powerful song. It's, some, it's, it's amazing when we can go back to those old hymns. It's amazing. I thank God for the nice modern one that make you dance and make you shout. And I'm so glad to be amongst a whole bit where everybody is predominantly Jamaican. So we always hear the little reggae and they're teaching me to move a little bit. Hallelujah. I love that. But I love when we can just call on those hymns sometimes and we can listen to the words of those hymns. And even if we can go back to the, the, the meaning, the person who wrote the song, what they were going through in the time of writing that song. But as I was washing my dishes, I began to hear the song, Grace, Grace, God's Grace, Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, Grace, God's Grace, Grace that is greater than all of our sins. For some of us in this season of our life, it's going to take the grace of God 
to get some things got done. It's going to take the grace and the mercies of God to get us through. That's why, Pastor Marcia, when you guys sing the song today, your grace and mercy, it just hit my spirit. Hallelujah. Because it's going to take the grace and the mercy of God to get you through some situations and to get you out of some situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like Pastor Marcy said for the month, of October, we'll be expanding on grace. And this week in Bible study, we talk on grace, understanding grace. And one of the things that we learned, Pastor Marcy, is there's 50 different grace. We touched on four of them. Of, um, Hallelujah. But grace, one may ask, what is grace? Hallelujah. And I know I'm in here with a whole bunch of church people and a bunch of theologians inside here. So you can even tell me. Hallelujah. But if one was to ask, what is the definition of grace? Grace is God's unmerited, God's undeserved favor, your undeserved favor. Hallelujah. Anybody ever been in a situation where you know that it was only the grace of God? You did not deserve it. You did not work for it. You did not earn it. Grace. Hallelujah. It is defined as a power, a supernatural enablement of God. Hallelujah. Grace is the basic or the very foundation of the Christian faith. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not yourself. It is a gift of God. Verse 9, it says, Not by works, so that one of you can boast. Not one of you can say, Oh, I've been to Bible college. Oh, I came to the altar and I laid prostrate before God. And because of that, I'm holy and I'm righteous in the grace of No, it is a gift that is undeserved. The Greek word for grace is charis. And the defamation, defamation, definition, sorry, the definition of grace, according to the Strong's Concordance, it is defined as a gracious benefit, gracious benefit, favor, gift, goodwill, thanks, or grace. It is especially used for a kindness or favor bestowed on someone who is ill-deserving, such as a master towards a servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody said it is undeserved. It is undeserved. It's a free act. And out of the word, from the word charity, we heard about charity or events. That's where the word um, charity is derived from charist. Because it's a free act of kindness to help those in need. Many expressions or definition of grace. Hallelujah. But I want to go over the five, the four the, or three that was mentioned this week in Bible study. The first is saving grace. The first is saving grace. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, we just quoted. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that one of you can boast. Verse 8. Verse 9, it says, not by works, so that none of you can boast. Our faith is not based on our works. It is not deserved or it is not earned. But it is the grace. It is by grace. It is by grace. It is by grace. It is by grace you are saved. Your salvation has nothing to do with what you've done. 
It has nothing to do with what you are going to do. Even though grace is not a license to sin. We hear, we hear it all the time. Grace is not a license to sin. However, there are consequences. For the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The payment of, of sin is death. Hallelujah. And it might not be physical death. Some of you, you never know, we could be walking down a path of sin that could lead to physical death. But it's not just physical death that it's talking about. It's also talking about spiritual death. Hallelujah. And that's the place where, Pastor Marcy, I don't want to get to her, where I'm just dead to the things of God, where my passion is dry, but I have no desire to come to the house of God. I have no desire for prayer meeting. Hallelujah. The wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. Hallelujah. Disobedience is sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the second grace I want to talk about today is justifying grace justifying grace hallelujah it says being justified freely by grace we have peace being justified means you didn't earn it again and what what this grace is you are justified when you stand before the king of kings and you enter his presence it doesn't matter what you did last week it doesn't matter what you did 10 minutes before you come before the king once you've repented of that sin once you come in his presence, it justifies you. It makes you as if you didn't even do such a thing. So get rid of guilt. Get rid of condemnation. The Bible declares that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And this is something, Pastor, that I struggled with. I struggled with guilt. And I struggled with condemnation. See, I grew up in a church, right, where we were taught that, or maybe I perceived it that way, that I had to be perfect. That you had to be flawless. Hallelujah. I was the pastor's daughter. So, you know, any little sin or any little thing that looked like sin, I, I, I was scared. I was ashamed. I, you know what? I met, I met my husband. We've been married now eight years, nine years. So that means I was late already, late, more than halfway in my 30s. And my son, my husband has a son. I was taught that, no, you shouldn't have sex before a married bishop. That means you shouldn't have no kids. But I met my husband and I fell in love with my husband and I said, okay, this is the man I'm gonna marry. And I take him to my dad, my dad is deceased now. And my dad is my everything, he's my world, he was my world, my everything. So if he says it, it's so. Every man I took to my dad or dated, nope. No, 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 no. When Julius came, yes, Julius is the one. A couple months after my dad passed, but my husband has a son, not my son, not my child. So one day he brought him to the house, his son, and my, my call him, I don't like, I'm not saying my son, like I don't receive him. You understand what I'm trying to say, right? He brought our oldest son to the house and I was like, take him back outside. What, do, what do you bring him in here for? Take him. I'm 35, 34 years old. Take him back outside. What you bring him in the house? No, no, no. I have to tell my daddy. 
and I have to tell him in a nice way. I have to talk to him. See, I grew up that way where I was taught and I believed that I had to be perfect. So anything in my life that looked like sin, and, and, and if I did something, I would go before, God, forgive me. God, and so I, I, I live like, so, so condemnation and guilt and shame Oh my God. Oh my God. I was buried in that, but God had to deliver me and set me free. And I'm decreeing and declaring today that if anybody is bound by guilt, anybody is bound by shame, it is the work of the enemy because the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. It doesn't matter what you did. Hallelujah. You come before God. You repent. He forgives you. Hallelujah. And a lot of times, too, it's church folks that make you think that way, too. I mean, the ones that I grew up with, you know, they, I'm quite sure they were sinning, too. Maybe we couldn't see it. But if we did anything wrong, you know what I'm saying? You, Lord have mercy. We had the, we had the usher in the back of the church. It was all, and they would come to you. Hallelujah. You chewing gum? We didn't just, they didn't just bring the napkin. Hallelujah. Sometimes you get a spank. That wasn't even my daddy. That's not my mom. But you, everybody, the village, it took a village. A village raised us. That's why we turned out the way we did. Hallelujah. But I struggle with guilt. I struggle with shame. And I struggle with condemnation. Hallelujah. But God had to set me free from it. And sometimes even when I talk, sometimes you can still hear it sometimes. And Pastor Marcy, a few weeks ago, she picked up on it. She said, no, Naquil, you let that go. Condemnation is of the enemy. And I'm praying that God would set you free, set us free from that spirit. Hallelujah. We talked about justifying grace. When you stand before God, it's just as if you've never done such a thing. Hallelujah. The second grace, the third grace. Hallelujah is the teaching grace. Hallelujah. This one is found in Titus chapter 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men, teaching us that, that edifying ungodliness, that de denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It teaches us that it is possible to live holy. Hallelujah. It teaches us that, guess what? Right is right and wrong is wrong. We can quote it again. Grace is not a license to sin. Hallelujah. It's not a license to sin. It's not a permit to sin. Hallelujah. We're going to get through this real quick. Number four, we talked about God's enabling grace. Hallelujah. And we would find this, uh, hallelujah, in the book of Corinthians, when he, when Paul was talking about this, Paul talked about this in the book of Corinthians, when he said that there is a, a thorn in my flesh and it was given to him, some kind of affliction, some kind of problem. And he said, I prayed, I prayed. He prayed three times and he begged God to take the problem away. This is the issue. With some of us in our life, we are going through these situations, we're going through these trials, and we're asking God to take it away. We're asking God, we're pleading with him, God, take it away. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that when he reached, when he went before Paul, when Paul went before God, he said to him three times, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And to you today, God is saying that his grace 
is sufficient. Hallelujah. Some of the things that some people may have walked through. Hallelujah. I remember, I remember I, I was talking to a pastor the other day. You know, she had just lost her son. Hallelujah. Then a few months, maybe a year or so later, she lost her mom. When she lost her son, she went to the altar. She went, she got up that night and she went be. For, no, the following, I think it was on a weekend, on a Saturday. And by Sunday, she was in the pulpit. Hallelujah. That's grace, my God. That is grace. A lot of people were asked, how was that possible? How could you do that? Like, why don't you take time off? Why don't you just go on a sabbatical? Why don't you rest? But the grace of God, the grace of God that was bestowed upon her, Hallelujah. She lost her mom in the same thing. Hallelujah. No, I can't put the work of God down. Some of us, any little mosquito biters, we want to take me, including me. And I've asked God to check me in this area too. If we get bite by a mosquito and it's like a little scab, we think it's something. Oh, I got to take some time off. Mighty God. But I believe that God is raising up and he's calling for a, a, a tenacious army of people that are committed Hallelujah to the work and to the call of God that come with me. I'm going to show up in the house of the Lord. Come with me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm going to do what God called me to do. God's enabling grace. Hebrews 4 verse 16 it says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain help in the time of trouble, which means when we get in trouble, there is an enabling grace that God would help us. We can come before God and say, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. Father, I need your grace to get me through this situation. It's going to take the grace of God. It's going to take the grace of God. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight, it says, God is able to make all grace, not some grace out of the 50 grace. He said, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all time, you may abound in every good work. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, it says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me, I was not in vain. In all these three texts, it shows that grace, it is an influence, or it's a force, or it's an empower. It's, it's God enabling us to continue the task. It's God enabling us to carry out the assignments. Hallelujah. Some of us, we need to get back. We need to make that commitment that I'm going to get back in the race. I'm going to get back in the race. You know you're showing up, but your heart is not there. But God wants us to get back in the race where our heart is in it, where we are committed to worship. We are committed to fast and we are committed to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 7, I told the church in Bible study this week, I have a greater appreciation for the book, for the, book, for the verse Zechariah chapter 4. But it, from verse 5 through 7, I said I have a different appreciation for it. Every time I pray, I said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But the latter part of the verse, it says, it says, the latter part of the verse is take the cornerstone. 
and lay it with shouts of grace. Lay it with shouts of grace. And some of us, we are shouting fear. We are shouting defeat. We are shouting failure. We sing that song here in church. It says, don't talk to me. Don't talk defeat to me. I am a child of God and I've got the victory. Some of you need to shout grace, grace over your situation. You need to shout grace, grace. As I begin to dissect this scripture and the word of God for the past two weeks, I begin to say grace, grace over everything that, that, that was troubling me. Hallelujah. I was yesterday, I was in the service Ontario and something came up before me and the lady said she got to go in the back and she has to talk to the supervisor and while she walked in the back, all I'm saying is grace, 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 see grace, grace, favor, favor, mighty God. Grace, grace, God-enabling power, God-enabling force. We need to just show grace, grace. Show grace, grace. Come on, somebody just show grace, grace. Grace, grace in your marriage. Grace, grace in your finances. Grace, grace in your finances. Grace, grace over your pocketbook. Hallelujah. Last year we had the women's conference, woman at the well conference. And... um. One night, I think, I don't know which night it was of the conference, my husband and I, we were just in a tight place financially. And I believe somebody needs to hear this. And when the service was over, you know, um, I have my friends with me and they were visiting for the conference and my husband said, okay, let's just call the Uber. I picked up the phone and I'm calling the Uber to get home and it's saying, decline or whatever is not going through and I'm like okay it's only like 40 or something dollars to get home like why is it not going through so I looked at my bank account and when I looked at my bank account it says 0. 0.00 I have never seen that because I saw 0. 0.10 cents 0. 0.20 cents but it says 0.00. And this was last year, Minister Kim. And I want to testify of the goodness of God and the grace of God. Now make it just quick. I'm trying to pull my words together. But I, I would say this. Last week we purchased a van. My birthday is Friday. And I'm looking at purchasing a Mercedes. S-Class in one year come on somebody shout grace grace come on I, I like i said don't want to break it down to the nitty-gritty and explain how and when and why because sometimes i don't know but it's just the grace and the mercies of god from 0.00 one year last year around the same time look at my bank account today i said you know what i've worked hard let me i can buy a Mercedes S-Class for my birthday. That's the faithfulness and the mercies of God. And I'm not bragging. I'm testifying because somebody needs to know what God can do. Hallelujah. Had it not been for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me stick to the scripture. The Bible says that Zerubbabel, he had been sent, by, sent back by God to rebuild to restart, to rebirth, 
the city of Jerusalem. They would call this the second temple. Hallelujah. And the scriptures said that when he started, when he stepped out and he started to rebuild the temple, that a storm arose, something happened. The Bible said that suddenly as he was trying to rebuild, a great mountain appeared. And you know what I was driving and it was like I was an audience, like I was in this audience just by one because I was just singing and worshiping the song as I was coming. The church just says, the verse of the song says, who are you great mountain that you should not bow low? Oh God, Maverick City. Jesus the dark. He has never lost a battle. Come on. Who are you, great mountain, that you should not bow low? Jesus, the folk in the darkness, he has never lost a battle. Hallelujah. And I, it, it, like the kids in the car, you can play. The kids in the car. And my husband is driving and he's in his own world. And I'm just there and I just worshiping God. Who are you, great mountain? See, who, hallelujah. Who are you, great mountain? That you should not bow low. Jesus defeated the darkness. He has never lost a battle. <laughs> that you should not bow low. Jesus defeated the darkness. You have never lost a battle. Keep playing. Keep playing. Hallelujah. I'm going to wrap it up right now. I told you the situation about my finances a year ago. And right after we had the conference, you know, a storm hit me in my personal life as well. Hallelujah. And Bishop, you know, the Bible says we overcome by the words of our testimony. And sometimes we have to put ourselves on display if it's going to help people. A lot of time we're so private when it comes to our marriages and we come to our home and it's okay because we should protect it. But when Bishop came to my house, it was in a situation of, you know, like the Bible says, your home, your home should be your husband, you, and God. Or God in the middle. The three-chord three strand should not be broken. It was more of the devil, me, the devil, and my husband, it was more like a five chord strand. Every demon that was wrapped around my home, every demon that was unleashed around my marriage in one year, both of my husband, both of us, we made up our minds, it's, it's best to go. It's best, just go. It's, it's not gonna work, you know? But I'm here to testify today I'm here to testify. It takes a lot for you to come and say, you know, you struggle in a certain area. But I believe that somebody need a shift and somebody need change, you know. And that's why I said earlier, I said, my husband, you taught me, you taught me how to pray. 
And you taught me how to be consistent in prayer. Because I believe God for my home to be restored. I believe God for my marriage to be restored. And I can testify to you today that God can heal your broken heart. God can heal your home. He can heal your marriage as my husband is weeping right now. Bishop came to my house and he literally had to pick me up off the floor. Hallelujah. Divorce was not, it was not even an uh, if, ands, or but. That was like, it's the best thing to do for my sanity and for your peace of mind. Just go. And God restored our home. And today my children does not have to be raised. But just a mother or go into their dad's house somewhere else. And I'm grateful to the mercy. I'm grateful for the grace and the mercies of God. God can restore he can restore your marriage. He can restore your mind. I have my notes and I wanted to go through so much of Zerubbabel and how he began to rebuild and God and the obstacles that came in his way and the permits and all of those things that sound so well put together. But I believe that God is here to restore somebody today. I believe that God is here to heal it. God is here to deliver it. If he did it in my finances, if he did it in my marriage, he can do it for you. An enemy, he made me feel like you'll never pick up a mic and preach. You should be ashamed of yourself. Look at what came out of your mouth. Look at what have you done. Look, look at this. You, and I was buried in guilt and I was buried in shame and I felt like a failure. And I couldn't wait sometimes for the kids to leave because I would go in my dark room and I have blackout curtains and I would pull the curtains across because I just wanted the room to be black. Depression. And that's why I expand on high-functioning depression. And some of us, we show up in church and we're smiling and, you know, and you're dealing, you're struggling with depression. But God could heal. He could deliver and he can set you free. And you know when God hands is on your life because your storms and the trials you go through it is so rare. It is so uncommon. It's so consistent. It's like when we're in. And what is the reason for this? You didn't do anything. But it's because of the very call of God that's on your life. Because he says from the very foundation, before you were formed in your mom's womb, he has called you. And the enemy heard that. The enemy heard that. And he's seen that. Hallelujah. And he would do whatever it takes to stop. He did whatever it takes to stop Zerubbabel from rebuilding the temple. And I believe that God wants to rebuild your home. God wants to restore your finances. God wants to restore your mind. That situation on your job, God can turn it around. It took him 13 years. It was a delay, a setback for 13 years. But later on in the scripture we read and we see where the temple was built. It was rebuilt. It was finished. 
And it is called the temple, the second temple. It is called the temple of Zerubbabel. Still standing today. Hallelujah. I want you to stand up to your feet today. Let's just worship God. Thank you for listening to Power and Praises Deliverance Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe and help us reach others by sharing this message. And thank you for joining us.